in Luke 11 and verse 9 in our Bibles tonight. Jesus speaking, saying, And I say unto you, Ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For every one that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth, and to him that knocketh it shall be opened. If a son shall ask bread of any of you that is a father, will he give him a stone? Or if he ask a fish, will he, uh, will he for a fish give him a serpent? Or if he shall ask an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? If ye then be evil, how, uh, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more? Shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask Him? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, our gracious God, we do come before you tonight and we do thank you, Father, for your grace, for your mercy, forgiveness upon our lives. We thank you for your holiness and righteousness and uh, for everything that you are. We thank you, Lord, for your word that we have in our hands tonight. And we pray, Father, tonight that we would reverence it by listening intently with a heart that will go away, uh, Lord, to follow after it with our whole hearts. I pray tonight that you would continue to build us up in the faith. Lord, I pray that you would use your word to shape us and mold us uh, into your son's image, dear God. And that you'll continue to do a work in us and through us for your glory. Father, we know we are loved by you and you are our heavenly father. And that you want to give us good things. And we're so thankful that you are. And we're so thankful that you do. In Jesus' name, we give thanks and pray. Amen. What I want to focus on tonight is not necessarily the answer to prayer regarding uh, things that we ask of God, although that is another sermon for another day. Um, even the phrase, how much more, how much more shall your heavenly Father give? I mean, that phrase there is a wonderful phrase and that would be an encouragement to us as another devotion for another night. But what I want to focus on is this. How much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask Him? So this is more of a theological kind of a devotion tonight of um, having the Holy Spirit in the proper place of a Christian. I read an article uh, not long ago uh, that was titled, Can We Pray to the Holy Spirit? And the interesting thing about the article is how it began. The article began... Uh, by uh, this uh, introduction and, and saying, can we or can we not pray to the Holy Spirit? And then they uh, go on to use Augustine, 354 to 430, compose this prayer to the Holy Spirit. So Augustine prays, breathe in me, O Holy Spirit, that my thoughts may all be holy. Act in me, O Holy Spirit, that my thoughts too may be holy. Draw my heart, O Holy Spirit, that I love what uh, uh, that I love, but what is holy. Strengthen me, O Holy Spirit, to defend that is holy, 
Guard me, uh, guard me then, O Holy Spirit, that I also may be holy. Now, he goes on to say after stating this prayer by Augustine, do you agree or disagree with Augustine's direct, and we're having the phrase here, direct request to the Spirit of God? If you agree, you affirm that we can pray to the Holy Spirit. If you disagree, you deny that we can pray to the Holy Spirit. Now, let me just say uh, off the cuff here that Augustine's prayer is not in any way the basis for doctrinal truth. Whether we agree or disagree is not the, uh, with his prayer, uh, is not the question. Is it, do we agree or disagree with what the Bible says? That's the question. And so by starting off by uh, simply, you know, using Augustine as a, a representative of uh, someone that prays to the Holy Spirit, whether we agree with him or not, is not the basis of what I want to talk about tonight. But it was just interesting that he would start with Augustine as if he was an apostle sent by God. Now, if it was Paul the Apostle praying that prayer, we know that the Apostle Paul or even Peter or others that were apostles that were chosen by God and inspired by God would then say, yeah, we can. Straight off the cuff. We don't even have to, you know, test it to see whether we can or can't. Why? Because we know that all scriptures given by the inspiration of God and these men will move by the Holy Spirit without question. I guess in one sense, asking that question here uh, would... Uh, whether we agree with him or not determines the fact whether we can or can't pray to the Holy Spirit uh, uh, may be somehow uh, a deterrent of that which we find in Scripture. So let me just say those people that do agree that you can and would affirm that his prayer is good, go to Ezekiel 37 to get their doctrinal basis. Go, I want you to go to Ezekiel. I want you to see something there. I think it was the only verse that they actually use for approving Augustine's prayer to the Holy Spirit. And I, I believe it's a stretch and clutching at straws, but I couldn't find any other verses that they used to prove that you can pray to the Holy Spirit. By the way, uh, what the context here is that, this, uh, that we see... Uh, the prophet Ezekiel, who has been no doubt led by the Spirit, is sat down in the valley of the dry bones and uh, is commanded by God to prophesy over these bones with a promise that the Lord will uh, simply you know, revive them, if you will. And uh, he gets it from verses 9 to 10 of Ezekiel 37. Ezekiel 37, verses 9 and 10 then said he unto me, prophesy unto the wind, unto the wind. Prophesy, O uh, son of man, and say to the wind, thus saith the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breathe and breathe upon these slain that, are, that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath came into them, and they lived and stood upon uh, uh, stood up upon their, their feet an exceeding great army. That's the verse that they use. <laughs> now, I, I don't know how that, you know, indicates to us that we can pray directly to the Holy Spirit. 
Another thing that they use is that the Holy Spirit of God is, you know, God who is spirit or God is uh, the spirit is part of the Godhead. And so like we pray to God and like we pray to Jesus, we can therefore pray to the spirit because he's part of the Godhead. Now, let me ask you a question and we're going to get we're going to get to some verses here in a moment. <clears throat> did did the Holy Spirit die on the cross for us? Are you sure? Did the Holy Spirit die on the cross for us? No. Did God the Father die on the cross for us? No, it was God the Son. So what we have to understand within the Godhead that every single part of the Godhead has a different function within the, within the Godhead. And to, to go and you know, simply say that we can pray to the Father and we can pray to Jesus and therefore we can pray to the Holy Spirit is really misusing Scripture. Okay, and again, we'll get there in a moment. But they were the two main bases for the argument that we can pray like Augustine prayed. See, they were trying to back up Augustine's prayer by saying, hey, there are a few things in the scripture that will give us some reason to pray like him. There were three comments only given for this article, and I read these comments. One of them was, interesting, my, my mother and I had a short discussion on this very subject about two months ago. Sam, he says, thank you for all you do. So we know and understand that the discussion is going back and forth whether we can pray to the Holy Spirit or not. There are people out there that believe you can and therefore, like her grandmother, perhaps believes that you cannot. Now she's affirming the fact with this person, perhaps, that there's liberty there to pray. And uh, what a wonderful passage in Ezekiel 37 that will give us that liberty to pray to the Holy Spirit. There was another person that commented, he says, I am similarly looking for a reformed, charismatic church. That was the only thing. And then he says, any tips? Appreciated. <clears throat> and he says to another, uh, another comment, do you know of any good reformed, charismatic church? I began to think that there are, you know, Calvinists out there that are charismatic. You know, they believe in Calvinism as well as the second blessing. And that you could, you know, and to me, that, that opposes a great problem in our current culture of Christendom. Uh, the next thing that they'll probably add is Catholicism. And we see that coming, by the way, that a lot of these Protestants are now rethinking about considering the, the, the Pope or Catholicism being part of Christianity. And then we have a big problem, don't we? Now, does this verse, you know, what we read in Luke 11 really teach that we can or should ask God to keep, uh, to keep giving us the Holy Spirit that we may constantly be filled? Is this what you know, uh, Jesus is saying? Or does it teach that we can pray directly to the Holy Spirit? Because again, some Christians would use this passage of Luke 11 to say, we, not only can we ask God to give us the Holy Spirit and he'll give it to us, but also we can pray to the Spirit. I don't know how they get that from that Luke 11. But I'm... <clears throat> Now, let me give you some reasons why we should not speak directly to the Holy Spirit. Number one, Jesus clearly taught us from the Bible, from the scripture, how to pray. Clearly. Okay. <clears throat> the disciples asked him, teach us to pray. And he taught them. Who do we direct our prayer to? He says, pray our Father. Okay which are in heaven. Hello, brother. And he says, if you ask anything in my name, and we pray, asking God uh, in prayer, 
in the name of Jesus. Thirdly, it's in the spirit, not to the spirit. Okay. Uh, Jude says this, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. So there's nowhere in the Bible we say praying to the Holy Ghost, but rather we pray in the Holy Ghost. And so we do not even worship the spirit, by the way. God is to be worshipped in spirit and in truth. That's what he said to the woman at the well. Uh, you know, he made it very clear the hour is come and now is when the true worshippers shall worship the Father in spirit. We don't even worship the spirit. We worship the Father in spirit and in, and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship him. And God is spirit. Okay, we'll see you worshiping God who is spirit. So we can worship the spirit. And they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. And so does that mean now we separate God from his spirit and worship the spirit and put God aside? Because this is what's happening today. There are many people that are worshiping the spirit and praying to the spirit and asking the spirit to come down and fall upon them afresh. They speak to the spirit. They're not speaking to God who is spirit. They're speaking to the spirit. So they separate almost the spirit from God. Do you understand that? And by the way, John tells us to, to test or prove all spirits, whether they be of God. Okay. <clears throat> so second of all, not only are we instructed very clearly how to pray. Second of all, there are no examples in the Bible of believers talking directly to the Holy Spirit or worshiping the spirit. There is nothing that even comes close to it. If you find some examples, please let me know. But I've never seen anything. We see people in the Old Testament, like Moses, talk to God through a burning bush, but never to a spirit. Uh, we see people walk and talk with Jesus in the gospel accounts, but never to the Holy Spirit. There are direct communications to Jesus. Remember when Stephen was stoned to death? And he, he, he called upon God and said, Lord Jesus... Receive my spirit. So he called upon God. The Bible says very clearly here. And uh, they stoned Stephen calling upon God and saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. By the way, that verse is proof text that Jesus is God. I mean, you can't get clearer than that. Calling on God and saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. <clears throat> and so the Holy Spirit by the way, enables us to have close fellowship with the Father and the Son. It is through the Spirit that we have fellowship with both the Father and the Son. 1 John 1, 3, That which we have seen and heard declare we unto you, that ye also may have fellowship with us. And truly, the apostles say, our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. Why, why isn't the Holy Spirit mentioned? Because it is through or in the spirit that we have this fellowship. I can prove it to you. Go to 2 Corinthians chapter 13. The Holy Spirit of God enables us to have close fellowship with the Lord God and with one another. Okay. Notice what the Bible says in verse 14. 2 Corinthians 13 and verse 14. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion the partnership or fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. Okay. And so number three, not only uh, we are taught how to pray, and there are no examples in the Bible, 
that we see any believer pray directly to the Spirit of God. But number three, the Holy Spirit does not speak of himself. The Spirit of God is to lift up Christ. And we see that in John chapter 14. I want you to see that very clearly. John chapter 14. We know the role and the function of the Holy Spirit. We see that very clearly in verse 26. John 14 and verse 26. But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. So the Holy Spirit directs us to follow after Jesus Christ our Lord. There's no doubt about that. And I want you to see uh, in 1 Corinthians 12, I want you to see this. We'll turn back to John 14 in a moment. But have a look at 1 Corinthians 12 and verse 3. It says, Wherefore I give you to understand that no man speaking by the Spirit of God calleth Jesus accursed, and that no man can say that Jesus is Lord but by the Holy Ghost. And so we see that it is by the Holy Spirit of God that directs us to follow Jesus Christ as Lord and Saviour. By the way, this is not just a consenting, if you will, with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. It's not just saying those words. It's really following after Christ. And no one really can follow after Christ if they don't have the Holy Spirit in them. This is what he's, you know, if, 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 no man as speaketh by the Spirit of God can say Jesus is accursed. As a matter of fact, the opposite is true. The Holy Spirit leads us to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. And number four, the Holy Spirit is our helper. The Holy Spirit helps us to pray to God. Okay, I want you to see Romans 8. <clears throat> Romans chapter 8. And uh, look at verse 26. Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities. For we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. So it was all, it's the Spirit of God that carries us through prayer to God. So how can you be praying to the Spirit of God if the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, is helping you to pray to God? Okay, so obviously our prayers be made to God and the Spirit of God is helping us. It, it is interceding and, and, and drawing us near uh, to God to pray to God. Now, what does Jesus mean then? When he said, how much more shall your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask him? Anyone got any suggestions before we get into the, the devotion tonight? Yeah, those little four points were just the introduction. What, what does he mean? What was he saying to his disciples? Saying any father, if a father asks for food, you're not going to give him a stone or a scorpion or a serpent. You're going to give him bread. You know, you're going to give him an egg. You're going to give him the food. You're going to, you know. So Jesus is saying, if you ask the Father for the Holy Spirit, he's going to give it to you. So what, what does he, anyone have any suggestions what this may, may be talking about? Uh, is, it, is it talking about that we constantly now ask the God that we may have a continual dwelling or filling of the Holy Spirit? Well, the context is really about prayer because before this, he gives a parable about praying with importunity. The context is about praying persistently, 
uh, you know, if you seek, if you ask, if you, you know, knock. And then he uses that phrase that if you ask for the Holy Spirit, he'll give it to you. So we, are, we, are we then asking God, give me the Holy Spirit, give me, please give me, let me be filled, please. You know, is this how God is uh, calling us to pray? As some would interpret it, they would use that to say, see, we've got to keep asking God. We've got to keep seeking God and asking him for the filling of the Holy Spirit. So if, I, you know, if I'm indwelt by the Spirit of God, I could still ask God that he would give me wisdom by his Spirit. You know, he would lead me and guide me. Uh, he, he would continue in, to enlighten me, you know, open my eyes that I may see and behold wondrous things from thy, you know, because the Holy Spirit's role is to enable us, to enlighten us. I mean, there's a lot of descriptive things that the Holy Spirit does in our life. So how would, how would the Old Testament people uh, look at this? They haven't, they're not indwelt yet. Pentecost hasn't come. How would the Old Testament saints view, you know, praying to God to give them the Holy Spirit? Now, we know and understand when David uh, committed sin in Psalm 51, he prayed that the Holy Spirit would not be taken from him. So in other words, he wanted the Holy Spirit's presence in his life that he may be a king anointed by God because the Holy Spirit was the anointing. We can't negate that. The Holy Spirit anoints us. He, it's the endowment that God gives us to empower us, all right, or to affirm some things. Well, at least in David's life, it was for him to be king. Now, to have, to have the Holy Spirit, or perhaps what Elisha prayed, the double portion, is to, is to have, you know, a God's strength or power or enablement in a person's life. So it could be, I want God to use me more. I want God's power in my life more. I don't want the Holy Spirit to leave me. For back then it was the Holy Spirit came and left them. You know, it, it empowered them. It, 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 it guided them. It led them. They, they were never permanently dwelt by the Holy Spirit and had the privilege that you and I have now after Pentecost. Okay. But I believe there's an association with what you said, not now that, uh, regarding salvation. Not necessarily in the immediate context, but as a broad term, if you would say, you know, ask God for the Holy Spirit or the gift of the Holy Spirit. You know, is it really asking God for the gifts of the Spirit as we see them in 1 Corinthians 12? Or is it asking God for the gift of the Holy Spirit that is associated with salvation? And I believe that there's a point there. And I can try to prove it to you uh, from Scripture. And like Damon said, there is a parallel passage. And it's found in Matthew 7, 11. You who are evil know, know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more shall your heavenly father, uh, shall your father, which is in heaven, give good things to them that ask him? So if you were to put those together, you would say the good things, you know, and the Holy Spirit. And we know what James says, every good gift and every perfect gift is from, the, is from above and cometh down from the father of lights, whom there's no variableness, neither shadow of turning. So one of the good gifts that God gives is the Holy Spirit, and it's associated with salvation. <clears throat> I want you to go back to John 14 and have a look at this. John 14, and look at verse 16. And I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter. 
that he may abide with you forever. Now, another comforter is another of the same kind. Jesus was a comforter. Yeah, he was, he was, a, he was a, you know, no doubt uh, an advocate. Like we, he is our advocate and still is our advocate. But he's going to be taken away. And when is he taken away? He's going to pray that the Father will send the Holy Spirit as another comforter, another of the same kind. Whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him. But look at this. But ye know him. For he dwelleth with you, and shall be in you. I will not leave you comfortless. Look at this. I will come to you. So Jesus is going to be with them in spirit, because it's the spirit of Christ that will be in them. Christ in you, the hope of glory. But in spirit. But we still speak to Christ. We don't talk to his spirit. We talk to Jesus. We talk to God. God is spirit. The spirit of Christ. You'll see it all over the scripture. The spirit of Christ or Christ in you, the hope of glory. Another of the same kind. Now, the gift of the Holy Spirit is associated with, the, with salvation. Look at John 4. Look at John 4. Look at verse 10. Jesus answered and said unto her, If thou knowest the gift of God and whom it is that saith to thee, Give me a drink. Thou wouldest have asked of him, and he would have given thee, what? Living water. Look at verse 15. The woman saith unto him, Sir, give me this water, that I thirst not, neither come he hither to draw. So he says, hey, if you knew what the gift of God was, and now she's asking, give me, give me this water. Okay, go to John 7. <clears throat> go to John 7. And look at verse 37. In the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me, as the scripture hath said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. But look at verse 39, he's key. But this he spake, he of the what? Of the what? Of the spirit which they that believe on him should receive. For the Holy Ghost was not yet given because that Jesus was not yet what? Glorified. <clears throat> Have a look at Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter number 2. Look at verse 38. Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and you shall receive the what? The gift of what? The gift of the Holy Ghost. For the promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. So over here, we see very clearly that salvation is associated with the gift of the Holy Spirit. You believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, you have the Holy Spirit of God, the gift of the Holy Spirit given to you. All right, uh, look at uh, Acts 11, look at verse 15 in Acts 11. Acts 11, look at verse 15. And as I began to speak, the Holy Ghost fell on them as on us at the beginning. And as I, and he goes, and then remembered I the word of the Lord, how he said, John indeed baptized with water, but you should be baptized with the Holy Ghost. For as much then as God gave them the like what? The like what? Gift. As he did unto us, who what? Believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. What was I 
that I could not withstand God. When they heard these things, they held their peace and glorified God, saying, Then hath God also, also to the Gentiles granted what? Repentance unto life. See how the Holy, the Holy Spirit of God, the gift of the Holy Spirit is associated with salvation? They actually call it the gift, the light gift, the gift of the Holy Ghost, promised not only to you, but also to your children. And the Holy Spirit of God can only be given when you repent and put your faith in Christ. And then you have the gift of, you know, eternal life or everlasting life, which is given to us by the, by the Spirit of God. So if you put those things together, then you would say, man, I want the Holy Spirit. You know, if someone knew this and knew and understood that man, my, the gift of the Holy Spirit is given to me when I get saved, I get born again. Is it wrong to say, God, Lord, I need you. I need you to save me from my sin. I want the gift of the Holy Spirit. I want to be born again. Is that wrong? No. And you know what? You say that, God will promise, you know, he'll give it to you. There's nothing wrong with that. I think it's a stretch. I don't think it's a stretch at all. Because someone can pray like that. And as a matter of fact, people pray things like, Lord, come into my heart. Now, the Lord coming in someone's heart is a byproduct of the Holy Spirit, you know, being received or, you know, believing on the Lord Jesus Christ. That's when he comes into your heart. But I know what they mean. I know when they say, Lord, come into my heart, if they know and understand that that's what happens when they get saved, you know, taken. Because it's not necessarily a wrong concept. There are people that will refute it, refute that statement. You don't say, Lord, come into my heart. You ask the Lord to save you. Well, but if they think and believe by asking the Lord to save them means the Holy Spirit is going to enter into them or Jesus by his spirit will live in them, then there's nothing wrong with that. It depends how uh, advanced your theology has you know, come. There are a lot of people that are ignorant of this, that don't know it. If your gospel is just, just ask God to come in your heart and that's it, I would say it's pretty, pretty weak theology. You know, a lot of groundwork needs to be had. You need to tell them about salvation and the gospel and all that. But if they know all that and they ask Jesus to save them and God, please come into my heart. I don't believe it's a wrong statement because that's what happens when someone gets saved. God comes in. The Holy Spirit of God dwells in. Well, we saw it in John chapter 7, very clearly. Uh, look at Acts chapter 19. Look at verses 1 to 5. And it came to pass that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul, having passed through the upper coast, came to Ephesus and finding certain disciples, and he said unto them, Have you trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior? Is that what it says? Did it, did it, did it say that? No, it didn't. Didn't didn't say that, did it? What did it? What does it say? Have you received the Holy Ghost since you what? Okay. So there's nothing wrong with saying, "Have you trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior?" or "Have you received the Holy Ghost? Are you born again? Have you been regenerated?" We may use these different terminologies because we know them now. I mean, we've got the epistles. You know, how, how well advanced is your theology on, you know, and eschatology and, 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 and ecclesiology and, and soteriology. And, you know, we know so much more than what they knew about the church, you know, about 
future things to come. We know so much about salvation. Okay? <clears throat> and so I don't think there's anything wrong by saying to someone, have you received the gift of the Holy Ghost when you believed? Are you born again? Now, if they say to you, yes, Nick, I speak in tongues. No, that's not what I mean. Because we're talking about salvation being associated with the Holy Spirit. We're not talking about someone having the gift of the Spirit in, in ministry. We're not talking about that. We're talking about salvation. Okay. I don't believe Luke 11 is, is, is talking about the gifts of the Spirit. I believe he's talking about the gift of the Holy Spirit. Okay. I personally believe that. Uh, I'm trying to uh, develop this for you to, so you could see it. Uh, like Damon said, I believe it's one of the good things that God gives us from heaven. And with, any, with, a, with every other spiritual blessing that the Holy Spirit has, you know, um, because if you study the Holy Spirit, it has a lot of, you know, characteristics that are, uh, are, are great benefits to the believer. Okay. <clears throat> but have a look at, uh, verse 2. Have you received the Holy Ghost since ye believed? And they said unto him, We have not so much as heard whether there be any Holy Ghost. Wow! And you were John's disciples, you know, and you still haven't heard? I mean, we're talking about years have passed, okay? And so, look at verse 3. And he said unto them, what then were you baptized? And they said, under the John's baptism. Then Paul said, John, verily baptize you with the baptism of repentance, saying unto the people that they should believe on him, which should come after him, that is, on, Jesus, on Christ Jesus. Look at this. When they heard this, they were what? Baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And then they received the Holy Spirit in the next verse. So they believed on the Lord, not only the baptism of John, but the one that came after him and the Holy Spirit was given to them. I believe it's the gift of the Holy Spirit is, is associated, no doubt, very closely with salvation. Look at Galatians 3. It's sad that we even have to do this because if you were to read your Bibles, you would see there is nowhere in the scripture, nor do you see a pattern that anyone prayed to the Holy Spirit or worshipped the Holy Spirit or told the Holy Spirit constantly and consistently to come down and fall, us, fall upon us afresh. This is terrible, brethren, that we even have to do this. And now Augustine is some charismatic Calvinist. Is there any church out there that's reformed and it's the charismatic church? Man, this is crazy. Why don't you just read your Bibles and see? You're looking for a church that will hold on to these that the Bible doesn't speak of? Oh, I mean, we're, we're in a mess. In Christ, Christendom's in a mess. Look at Galatians 3, look at verse 1. Galatians 3, look at verse 1. O foolish Galatians, who have bewitched you that you should not obey the truth before whose eyes Jesus Christ hath evidently sent forth crucified among you? This... Only would I learn of you. Look at this. Received ye the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Do you see how the Holy Spirit is closely entwined with salvation? How did you receive it? The works of the law or by faith? By faith. Oh, you foolish. He says, are ye so foolish? Having begun in the Spirit, are ye now made perfect by the flesh? Have ye suffered so many things in vain, if it be yet in vain? 
He therefore that ministereth to you the Spirit and worketh miracles among you, doth he do it by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Even as Abraham believed God and it was accounted unto him for righteousness, know ye therefore that they which are of faith the same are the children of Abraham? The scriptures foresee that God will justify the heathen through faith, preach the gospel unto Abraham, saying, In thee shall all nations be blessed. By the way, there's only one gospel. And the gospel that Abraham was given by God is the same gospel that was fulfilled in Christ. In thee shall all nations be blessed. And that was the fulfillment of Christ. Blessing not only the Jew, but the Gentile with salvation by faith alone. Look at verse 9. So then, they which be of faith are blessed with faithful Abraham. For as many as are of the works of the law are under the curse, for it is written, Cursed is everyone that continueth not in all things which are written in the book of the law to do them. But that no man is justified by the law in the sight of God, it is evident, for the just shall live by faith. And the law is not of faith, but the man that doeth them shall live in them. Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us, for it is written, Cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree, that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through who? Through Jesus Christ, look at this now, that we may receive the promise of the Spirit through who? Through faith. You see that very clearly. Look at verse 22. But the scripture hath concluded all under sin that the promise by faith of Jesus Christ might be given to them that what? Very closely associated. If I'm believing on the Lord, if I believe on Christ, the Holy Spirit is promised to me. And I walk by faith in the power of the Holy Spirit, not in the power of good works or the keeping of the law, but as the Holy Spirit leads me and guides me. You see, you want to remain under the law or do you want the spirit of God? I want the spirit of God. Where did you, we didn't hear about any spirit. Yeah, the spirit's come. The Holy Spirit's come. And if you were to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, you'll be given the Holy Spirit. I want the spirit. Well, the father will give it to you. I prayed that, to the father that he would send another and the comforter and God sent it, the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> but does that mean we constantly and consistently ask God for it? No, you get saved one time, you get indwelt one time. Now, what about when people ask, Lord God, fill me with the Holy Spirit? What are they saying there? But if you look at, if you look at a, Ephesians, we won't turn there. It says, be, be not drunk with wine wherein there is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. That's talking about a constant disposition to have. In other words, we... We must constantly be filled with the Holy Spirit of God. We, we, we must be controlled by the Spirit of God, not by alcohol, but by God's Spirit. It is a constant disposition that God wants us to have. But there are people that would say, God, fill me with the Holy Spirit. If they say that they mean by saying, God, I want you to continue to control me and lead me, fine. 
But if they're saying that there's this special kind of, you know, filling other than what God has showed us, then I disagree. I will say to you, the second is pretty much cultivated. When they say, Lord, fill me, it's this more power for the hour. That's what I believe. I should be filled already coming up on this pulpit. I shouldn't ask God to fill me when I'm here on this. I should be filled already. You know, the seven, uh, the seven deacons or servants that were chosen had the characteristics of spiritual men. They weren't saying, God, fill me with your spirit. Now I'd be qualified to be a deacon. No, they had to be filled with the spirit. They had to be holy men. They had to be filled with wisdom. Is not praying for power for the hour. It, it's not what we see uh, in the scripture at all. But that's what we see here today. They want a special unction, a special filling, a special, you know, they gave, you know, and, and, and I don't really see that in the scripture. I don't really see any of the apostles asking for it. Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think, ask or pray according to the power that worketh what? In us. The power's already at work. I just have to be, if you look at prior verses to Ephesians 3.20, you would see that I would have to concentrate with my relationship with, with the Father and his love for me in the depth of that. You know, if I, I just need to be focused on what God tells me to focus on and God will take care of the rest. But I can't even pray or think about the, the work that God wants to be done. I can't do it. God wants to do a, a work. I, I can't even pray for it. You know, what God wants to do in us by his spirit. Now, let me ask you this in closing. Did Simon the sorcerer ask for the Holy Spirit? Remember the Simon the sorcerer that was, 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 was believed? The Bible says he believed and, and, and who baptized him? Philip baptized him. And then after he was saved, did he ask for the Holy Spirit? Do you remember? Sorry? He wanted to purchase it. He wanted to pay for it. What did he want? He wanted the power without the person. And I believe today when people are praying to the Holy Spirit, they want the power without the person. And you can't separate it because God is spirit. Worship God in spirit and in truth. Don't separate the spirit completely from God or from Christ because it, it, you can't. They're one. And I'm afraid today that that's what people do. They try to separate the Holy Spirit like he's a complete different entity and a force that is separate from God. You don't do that. It is God. And, and it's got a different function. I don't talk to the, to the, to the, to, to the Holy Spirit. I talk to God. My fellowship is with God through the Spirit. I, you know, I, I, I ask God. Okay, if you want to ask God, ask God for the Holy Spirit. He'll give it to you. Ask God to be saved. He'll save you and he'll give you the Holy Spirit. You don't, have to, you don't ask the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, save me. You don't do that, do you? When you got saved, did you ask the Holy Spirit to save you? Who did you ask to save you? Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So why is it in our Christian culture today 
there are more people that want to seek the Spirit more than Christ, more than God. Because I believe there's a, there's, there's, there's a sweeping you know, influence that is trying to deter us from Christ, where the Holy Spirit is trying to lead us to Christ, make Him our Lord, make Him the emphasis, because the Lord Jesus is the emphasis here. The Holy Spirit puts the emphasis on Him. And what these people want to do, want to take off the emphasis of Christ and put it on the Holy Spirit, because they want power so they can look like, wow, look at me. No, sorry. Look at Christ. The signs and wonders were never the emphasis. The signs and wonders were there to, 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 to point us to Christ. Not take away our vision from God and put it on a, like Simon the sorcerer that wants the power without the person. I believe Christians can be sincerely deceived. And, uh, and, and as you can see from the article, they are. And it's, it's sad. Augustine is not the pattern you know, he can pray to the Holy Spirit all he wants. I don't know what spirit he's praying, but it's not of the God of the Bible. That's all I can say. He, you know, now, let me say this. Are there songs that we pray, you know, glory to the Father, glory to the Son, glory to the Spirit? No problem. Glory to. But we're not praying to the Spirit. So thank you, Lord. Glory to, to God for the Holy Spirit. But I don't pray too. It's a very fine line. If anyone in this room can show me one passage, one example, one teaching that we can, I'll start praying with you. I have no problem with that. I have a problem with people saying we can when the Bible says we can't. That's the problem I have. Let's pray.